What's going on, y'all? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Better Days. I am Chris here with my awesome co-host, Ryan, and we have an episode that I'm super jazzed about. Um, super, super excited. Uh, as you guys all know, I am a teacher, and the um, our guest today is also a teacher, so you get to hear me nerd out over education, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, our guest is Amanda Linton. I never asked you how to pronounce your name, by the That's way. That's right. Just Did like Clinton, that? but no C. You know what? Like Clinton yeah. with no C. You know what? I'm not even editing that out. Oh, it's like, <laughs> you know what? Um, we're Listen, there get... may or may not have been some tickets at the the Trump rally this past weekend reserved under the name of Amanda Clinton. Just saying. Hey. Okay. <laughs> you and you well about, about five hundred thousand of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about like nine hundred and what? Like thousand. Nine hundred ninety-four thousand somewhere around in there. <laughs> Good stuff. We're going to get to that later. We're going to talk a lot of shit later. But um, we didn't just bring um, Amanda on here to talk about education, but we will get to that. Um, she is running for Senate District 21 yeah. in Florida. Um, she is an inspiration to me as a teacher and should be to all teachers because we need more of us in politics. So tell us, like, why did you decide to run? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, last spring, I remember sitting in a faculty meeting and my uh, principal made a crack about something that our governor was doing at the time, like testing was coming up for the spring session. And I just remember thinking like, holy cow, it's 2019. I don't think I'm ready for this next election cycle yet. Like I'm not ready to, to do this yet. And I remember writing a Facebook post, like asking my friends, hey, like, are you guys reading any books to help you, like, process what happened in 2016? Or are we just going to, like, go, you know, into 2020 just doing, you know, doing the thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my friends actually suggested a book called Run for Something, um, coincidentally, by a woman named Amanda Littman. Um, <laughs> and so she wrote this book literally encouraging people to take on this this giant Herculean task that for, that most people kind of – um, kind of like it's never even on your list of things to like cross off to consider like people just don't even really think that they're qualified for it or can run for something or can can do it and the entire premise of her book she wrote it post 2016 the entire premise is Donald fucking Trump is our president if he's the president <laughs> you can run for something you can do it <laughs> so Someone recommended the book for me, and uh, I devoured it and highlighted it all over it and dog-eared it like the teacher that I am. Um, and, you know, just really started going through the process of, like, looking for where I could make a difference because I was really tired of, uh, like, pacing up and down the, the rug on my side of the bed at night and, like, yelling at my husband. I'm like, JD, did you read the thing on Facebook today? And he's like, no, Amanda, I didn't, but why are you yelling at me? I'm on your side. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Sounds very Jesus. familiar conversations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When they so put I just, in, I knew Beth like I had the, this off. drive that I needed to do something, <laughs> and uh, this state senate seat is kind of where I found that pathway. So, right. 
so yeah. so I'm always I'm always fascinated by just people who just pick up and decide to run. I guess what was your first step like when you first decided? Okay, I think this is where I can make an impact. Uh, how did you get started? How did you get like what you know? What was the first step you took on that road, and and how has that been so far? Um, so outside of just literally like going on an Amazon search and and buying some books and reading um, information, the next step that I took was uh, going online and talking to groups that I had been in since the 2016 election, mm -hmm. because let's be real, this is something that I say over and over and over again on the campaign trail, and I feel like it resonates with everybody. I thought in 2016 and leading up to that election that I had done enough. I'm originally from Mississippi. I've been in Florida for uh, seven years, and I've, I feel like I've moved south to move north because there's people down here who actually like believe the same things that I do. Um, <laughs> But I, I just, I felt like I had done enough that year. I convinced my mother-in-law in, in Mississippi to vote for Hillary Clinton. And I just kind of like checked it off the list. Like I walked into election night that night thinking that this is cake. Like we've got this in the bag. I was sitting on the couch with my three little boys and we start watching the election results roll in. And like my husband and I had taken our kids into the ballot box that day. And like, of course, everybody in our polling place knew who we were voting for because we were voting with three kids. But <laughs> it's what <laughs> Um, and, you know, that night, I just, I really had like a gut check moment that told me what I had done in the past, what I thought was enough, clearly was not enough, and it cannot be repeated in 2018, and it can, certainly cannot re be repeated in 2020. Absolutely So not. I was already in some like social uh, media groups, and I just kind of started reaching out to people and asking the question like, you know, here are three or four different uh, seats or positions that I'm looking at. What do you guys see or like pros or cons of these particular seats? Mm -hmm. um, and what what ultimately led me to this one is that this seat hasn't been contested since 2012 by a Democrat. Um, so uh, the the uh, exiting senator, he's termed out this year. Um, he hasn't had a campaign since he initially got the seat in 2012. Um, and Personally, I don't really think that that's okay. So my house seat was a little different than that. Um, and at the time I supported the school board member that represents my area. So, you know, this is just, this is just kind of where I landed at, so. That's crazy. I, I hate that there's just so many, and I have the, unfortunately the same issue in my areas, uh, a lot of Republicans running unopposed and it's, yep. you know, just, just need people in the, Plant your plant your name on the yes. ballot. You, you, I don't you know have to contest the ballot. You yeah. have to contest the ballot. I don't know if you guys happen to see it on Twitter or not. There are um, a couple of organizations that worked really mm -hmm. hard to contest every single state legislative seat in mm -hmm. Florida. And out of 141 uh, races that are going to be on the ballot in November, we are contesting 140 of them. We have 140 Democrats on the ticket. So. So, some, so what's? Because we I'm really sorry, need some things done in fucking Florida. Your <laughs> governor is just. Woo! Yeah, he, exactly. He drank that. He didn't, dude. He didn't just drink a glass of it. He told the <laughs> whole fucking bowl and drank it all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm curious to follow up on that though. Uh, so you said it's, it hasn't been opposed. It's been an unopposed election. Correct. Um, but what is the area like in general? Like, can you like what 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 is the you know, I'm from Texas. Chris is from Virginia, yeah. so I don't know the region that well. What is the region like, and does it support that, or is it, you sure. know, you know, that kind of person? <laughs> so this uh, this particular district spans two counties. It was very much so. Um, it, this Florida was redistricted redistricted in 2015, 
Um, and this particular district was very much so carved out for the seated senator at the time. So it encompasses um, a very rural part of one county. Uh, there's one big city that's in it, and then another like suburban um, area of the county that I live in, which is Hillsborough County. So it's like it's it's like a, a third of Hillsborough County, and then all of Manatee County. Um, and then we have Bradenton, Florida, which is um, on the water. It's like just south of the Tampa Bay area. It's like our mm -hmm. like our southern border of the Tampa Bay area. Um, so. In terms of numbers, we have about 30,000 less registered Democrats than we do Republicans in this district, but there are 90,000 MPAs. So for me, when, that's one of the things I considered when I was looking at a particular race to run is that generally MPAs are registered that way because they vote for ideas and they vote for candidates. They don't necessarily vote just because of their party. They don't vote you know, all blue or all red. They, they look at individual issues and things that, that they're concerned with. So I thought to myself, well, Amanda, you're a teacher and you're a mother. What better candidate could there possibly be going out there and telling people, well, do you want to have me up in Tallahassee representing you and your family, somebody who looks like you and works like you and has a job like you? Or would you rather have somebody like my opponent who is worth $12 million dollars up in Tallahassee representing interests that don't look anything like what your family looks like. Representing Donald Trump's interests. <laughs> let's be fucking serious. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's who, that's who, that's who they were. I mean, they, they've set it all on the line. That's, that's what they're going with. It's just, mm -hmm. we're going to ride the Donald Trump train right into the fucking gutter. It's, it's, it's yep. pretty much where they've been. And um, teachers are important. Obviously, we educate everybody, but teachers are incredibly important and need to be important places like politics. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, could, I could rant on that forever, but where do you, why do you think it's so important that we need to get more teachers in politics? So I think that teachers have a, a perfectly compatible skill set to take from the classroom into a legislative office. We are flexible. We are willing to look at data and make informed choices that are removed from our emotional reaction to things. Um, you know, the, the things, the decisions that we are consistently making in our classroom are the types of the decisions that we hope that our legislators are making when they are, you know, in our state house and our state senate and in our Congress. But realistically, that's not honestly the case. You know, people are bought and paid for by PACs and industries and things like that. They're not looking out for folks like us, they're not looking out for teachers. So, you know, another thing that, that kind of kicked me into wanting to do this was getting really freaking tired of having people in Tallahassee tell me how to do my job in my classroom. I got real sick of that real fast. So I said, uh -huh. you know what? Mm -hmm. Clearly you don't know what a classroom looks like. So I'm gonna run for office and I'm gonna win this seat and I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna be the voice of what it looks like in the classroom because obviously folks there have no clue. We have that same problem in Virginia. Um, I can't tell you who wrote the SOLs, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't teachers, right? Um, and and we, we lose that voice. There is no person who has a, just a, a, a finger on the purse of, of the pulse of society better than a teacher. Mm -hmm. You get through the kids' eyes and kids will lie to you, but when they tell you straight up certain things, it's you take them at face value because if they're not trying to get out of trouble, you know, most of the time it's, it's pretty spot on. Um, and you can tell that. And then and they, they give you feedback. They're very honest with you. Mm -hmm. And you get that and, th and that trickles down through parents too. Um, and 
let's be very, very frank. Nobody should be educating, or excuse me, legislating for education who has never stepped foot mm-hmm. in a, um, in a classroom. And I will take you a step further. No one should be secretary of education if they've never been a <laughs> fucking teacher. Yes. Reach. Yes. Betsy DeVos is, I, mm-hmm. I, I've talked about her multiple times. Cannot stand that woman. She is trying to ruin education. And I take that personally, not mm-hmm. because of being a teacher because it affects children. She doesn't give a shit about uh, lower socioeconomically uh, hurt children. Um, by the way, the loud noises in the back are because my child is awake and like fight and sleep. <laughs> you can hear him now. Way to go, Bodie. Um, but she doesn't care. Um, it, it's... It, 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 it is. Well, you're right. Absolutely right. It's ridiculous how... You know, it, we have a amazing institution that produces amazing people and does amazing work, and you have half of the country attempting to systematically dismantle it. And it's really frustrating. I mean, I, I don't know entirely the situation in uh, Florida, but in Texas, it's just a constant well, battle against school vouchers, yep. uh, uh, vouchers, charter schools, and, and just, just anything bullshit. possible to erode public education and yes. it it's just i don't you, i guess the only solution it's, is give teachers a voice yes, it, it, and that's exactly. the argument that we have to make we mm-hmm. our public schools need all the funds they need all the money every single time i am debating a topic or an issue or something like that that our community is facing i can tie it back to school funding because mm-hmm. our public schools are where it all starts. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What, what, I mean, if, if we can't why can the police if department child. afford a armored personnel carrier, but we can't afford, you know, basic materials for an yeah, elementary? I'm buying paper and toner and printers <laughs> for my own classroom exactly. and computers for my EL kids. Yep. And, no. and, 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 and that's honestly, with a lot of what we're currently seeing right now when we talk about defunding the police is, Exactly this. It's not, you know, taking a lot of these resources that have been put into, you know, things that aren't working and reinvest it back into things that are working. It's, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of being more, co- I mean, if you want to get down to it, it's being about cost efficiency. You yeah. know, we're, we're spending all this money on the back end to fix a problem when we could fix it in the beginning with pre-educate, you know, proactive instead of reactive. Proactive and yeah, you know, incre- you know, at, Hiring more teachers, getting, I mean, well, let me ask you this before I start going off on my list. What's your, what's your like platform education on how do you think we need to fix uh, Florida schools specifically? So uh, one of the, like the baseline is fully funding our schools. Mm -hmm. Our public schools, our traditional neighborhood public schools need as much money as our budget can possibly give it. And here's the thing in Florida before, um, you know, coronavirus and COVID-19 really uh, you know, took a massive shot at our economy. We had the fourth largest economy in the nation and the 17th largest economy in the entire world. The entire world. And you're telling me that we somehow can't find the funds to pay our teachers or to hire paraprofessionals or to make sure that my kids' classrooms looks the same as inner city in Tampa Bay, as the same in uh, rural Dover, Florida, where our migrant students are working are going to school at and our migrant teachers are working at, but we can do it. We, it's, it's all a matter of 
values. It's a matter of who we look at as a candidate and say, you know what, what do they support? What are, what is their motive and what are they going to do when they get there? How, how do their values align with what I want? And I think that most people are not going to argue with you that we do need public schools and we do need more money there. They will also say things about, you know, charter schools and vouchers and choice. And I want to be able to send my kid X, Y, Z, whatever. But most people are not going to argue with you that yes, our education system does need more money in it. A hundred percent. And police officers don't need fucking tanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anything ever. What's so like, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, if we just stopped arming the police, like they were the military, you know, that, that, that would go a long way. So definitely. And again, that's where we need teachers and, and things <laughs> because you know, we can tell you that kind of stuff. And it's, oh. it's an absolute travesty that we don't, don't pay teachers what they are worth. And just, uh, honestly, and from another teacher, thank you so much for running. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm not at that place yet, but you're paving a way for us, and that's that's fucking cool, man. And right. I, really, yes. I I really yeah. really 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 appreciate it. Um, Honestly, if you want to see the how how much value a teacher is worth, just look at what happened over the last couple of months with the school, and now parents are having to do homeschool and everything. So yes. I mean, how do you how 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 just and this is. Uh, interesting question i'd like to ask you guys uh since you're both teachers how do you think that the what's happened with the pandemic and the stay at home and a lot of the online learning do you think that that's going to change how education is done in the future uh, public education in the future or like what do you how do you how do you think this is going to work out great question <laughs> I would say I hope so. Um, the first thing I would say about that is is when all of this happened, which was right around spring break in most districts, uh, most of us were kind of like caught with our pants down having to deal with this problem. Like our districts are just like, here you go. You're going to do e-learning now. Parents, you're going to homeschool. You can do it. Um, <laughs> And so one of the one of the things I'm advocating for this summer is that I would really like to see my district and in every district use this summer as an opportunity to train our educators to invest in the very best platforms and the very best technology. Uh, my district can afford to go one to one. They just choose not to. Um, these are the things that we should be doing and putting in place because let's be realistic. Like Florida has over 100,000 cases as of today. Um, it is skyrocketing every day. We are setting uh, new records every day. And w- we're, j- we're going to be here again, you guys. I'm terrified yeah. of going back to school completely. Uh, and just, mm-hmm. I, I have a classroom that they shoved 33 people in that yep. would not in any, like max, it should have had like 25. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And that's another. Uh, oh, but keep them six foot apart. Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) They want us to do all this stuff, but it's impossible. And they want to do all these things and you can't. And, you know, we're going to be stuck here again. And I was going to add on, my district actually is going one-to-one, which is amazing. That's going to be so much more helpful. Yes. Um, For for those of us who aren't teacher, what does one-to-one mean? Everybody gets a computer. Oh, okay. Okay. Or a device yeah. of some sort. Or, gotcha. or, yeah, yeah. Or, or some kind of device. I'm and... not a teacher, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, no, not, a, not everybody so can that do that. that has a benefit buddy. both in and out of the classroom. You know, if we have kids who are one-to-one um, and we open completely, then that means that teachers are not having to collect uh, papers that kids have touched because they can just submit it electronically. 
And then if we do, if we do go into the school year completely open and have all of our kids back on campus again, and then get into a situation where we go back into a shutdown, if we are one-to-one -one and we have invested in all of these platforms and technology, it's an easy transition back into that, where we're taking some of the burden off of parents also, because parents are, would at that point really just become more of like a facilitator and just making sure that your kid is doing what they need to be doing, not necessarily sitting down and teaching them because we've laid the groundwork for that to be happening already from the education, from the teacher standpoint. Exactly. And that's, uh, and, and if we, we laid the groundwork for the last six months, why would we stop going forward with that? Right. Mm -hmm. Train the kids with Google classroom, right. Yep. That needs to be first thing that's done. Everybody's got a computer. It eliminates, like you said, eliminates papers. It makes grading a hell of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it also makes communication with parents and students quicker, instant. I mean, I think heading into the new, like as we go into the, you know, quote unquote, new world, as, as, as if, if I will, I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a lot to push education further. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make teachers better. I, I agree. I don't think there's a downside to this. And I think it's going to make kids better too, because when you go to college, it's all online anyways. Uh -huh. Like you're not submitting anything on paper to your college professors. That's not happening. And you're using the computer to do all of your research on. We are setting kids up for the future by doing this. 100%. Like most Blackboard. Blackboard is what they use in college. Yeah. I, I think that's where I turned in everything. You, everything's online. So if we're like teaching them how to do things on pen and paper, like we don't treat, teach math kids to do math with obelisks anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're not like counting our fingers and stuff. It just it's it's like they've got calculators that they can use even on tests now because that is a part of society. Why would we not naturally phase mm -hmm. into that? And and since we're talking about going into uh in into the future, we're gonna dive into the past, the eighteen century or excuse me, the the nineteenth century, if you will, because you know we had the Trump rally this weekend. John Bolton's okay. we, we all went on a whirlwind trip through history here. Um, sorry, that, okay. that segue was supposed to work way better. You lost me there. I was wondering where you were going with that. And he's like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're, we needed a natural segue. And it's really, really, really hard to segue to a Donald Trump rally. Because well, now, now, it. now you just no, spoiled it. Now it's like sm now it's like smelling uh, spoiled milk around here. So. Right? It's, <laughs> dude, I've smelled diapers better than that that they had. <laughs> right? They spent all week. There's eight hundred thousand coming. There's nine hundred thousand coming. There's a million people coming, and it was all TikTokers and children. Hmm? I, this is ridiculous. I'm so proud. I'm it's so like proud of this they generation. knew we were doing they knew that they were doing it and they still promoted the numbers anyways i don't understand their logic behind that i don't think they did like they collected voter data they couldn't get voter data from 12 years old 12 year olds like that shit, it just doesn't work right you know it's, it's as far as like I, I, we wanted to touch very briefly on on some of the things this weekend um, obviously the Trump rally is the big one. Um, and just, it makes it so easy to talk shit about him. Like not that it's hard in the <laughs> yeah. first place, but like when you say there's going to be a million people there and 60, less than 6,200 people show up and 
you then blame the media for talking about COVID and all of this stuff. Like, and you say you that spend there were- 30 minutes explaining how you need to walk down a ramp. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Who does that? Who and like, improve your and- presidential by drinking a glass of water. Get mm-hmm. like, mm. he's president. You can run for something. <laughs> exactly. If this guy can do it, anybody can do it. can do it. Anybody can do it. Holy shit. Um, I also had had John Bolton's book written down here. Really, the only thing that any of us need to say about John Bolton is fuck you because you should have testified in January. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's all we're going to get to him. But before we get into (laughs) it, we've given, we, we gave... We gave them some attention because it's hilarious. But um, over the weekend, um, something that has been brought to my attention that I hadn't um, ever heard about and Ryan is privileged enough to have grown up with, and that is Juneteenth. Ryan, I want you to talk mm-hmm. about like what that means to Galveston, and then we're going to talk a little bit about All right. So Juneteenth, June 17th, that's when uh, I forget the uh, – Brigadier General landed in Galveston and basically brought the Emancipation Proclamation to Texas, freeing the slaves in Texas. Um, it was not the official end of slavery. That was uh, not till the 13th Amendment, which was a few years later. Uh, that yeah, You looked it up. So I'll, I'll, I'll believe I you. I don't remember that. the date on that one. <laughs> yeah, because there was still slavery in Delaware and Kentucky, even after uh, the war was over for a while. Oh, so it, Mississippi didn't ratify the 13th mm-hmm. Amendment until 2013. I mean, you know, this is the people we're dealing Shocking. with, but you know, <laughs> my home state. I, I mean, I, I can make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in a in a town with eleven thousand of just mm-hmm. nothing but white people, hillbilly racist. <sighs> Trust yeah. me. You can unlearn it. I exactly. If I can unlearn it, anybody can unlearn you, it because yeah, I had it drilled into my head my entire life. That's true. It, 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 like Beto says, it is not enough to be not racist. We have to be anti-racist mm-hmm. yes so so juneteenth and i know ryan says it's not the official emancipation day that's uh, 1865 but it's um, celebrated but it's as it's it's, it's, it's it's effectively celebrated as the end of slavery as, which, as as the end of slavery close enough good which, enough <laughs> right right we and you have the emancipation proclamation emancipation proclamation is given january 1st 1863 and we know that Technically speaking, it really didn't free anybody. Lincoln couldn't free this, the slaves in the border states because that would have they would have left. The Confederacy um, couldn't, uh, you know, they saw themselves as a different country, so they weren't freeing anybody. But at the same time, it, it created this sense of pride because the North was getting its ass kicked. Antietam had just happened. It was the bloodiest single day in American history, and the North just didn't give a shit. Right? Why do we need to go and like, why are we doing this? And then Lincoln gives the Emancipation Proclamation and it changes everything. They start bringing in, um, hey, buddy. I <laughs> have a guest speaker. All right. Love it. That was Jackson, my youngest. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> we, you had to listen to my kid yell. <laughs> he came in and was quiet and waved all about it. Um, anyway, uh, they. The, the, it created a sense of pride. A bunch of African, like African Americans registered and joined the army in record numbers, right? And they went and fought. Can you guys hear my dog now? No. <laughs> Actually, I cannot. But <laughs> this is, oh, this is, everybody's interrupting today. <laughs> right? 
everybody's a guest. Anyway, um, so <laughs> it creates a sense of pride and it actually is relatively pertinent now because in San Francisco, they just tore down a statue of Grant. And I wanted to speak on that just because of who Grant is as a person and as a history teacher. And apparently you guys didn't tune in when they did the three-day special on Ulysses S. Grant on the History Channel. Um, he was very, very, very progressive and ahead of the time. Like he armed Africa, he armed former slaves. Um, and I, I, there's this big thing with, you know, he was a slave owner and, you know, that is true to a point. Um, he was, he was kept from an abolitionist family. He um, married into a slave owning family that his family never approved of. He was given a slave, worked side by side with the slave, which does not excuse at all. Don't, don't take me wrong. But Ulysses S. Grant saw that too. He said, well, this is fucked up. I'm not going to continue doing this. And he freed that slave and witnessed slaves fighting at Vicksburg or former slaves fighting at, mm -hmm. at Vicksburg. And he armed them and he brought them into the army. And, you know, he, amongst other things that, <clears throat> that he did. So if we're going to tear stuff down, let's at least know where we're coming from and know our history there. Um, and that's the, and that's where Chris is a history teacher, and, and that's where the history took our lesson. <laughs> Thank Back you, to Juneteenth. <laughs> I, 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 it's, this is all 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 together because it's 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 all important because the racial disparity in this country is fucked. It's been fucked. Mm -hmm. It's still fucked, but people are pissed about it now. And Juneteenth just now becoming national is a little bit like I, I'm I'm slightly offended by that 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 that. We weren't celebrating. We celebrate fucking Columbus Day. I was actually, see, the weird part is, is I was actually surprised. I grew up with it as a Texas holiday. Mm -hmm. So it was surprising to me that, to see other states pick it up. Like, I started seeing other states because I was like, wait a second, that's a, that, that's a Texas thing. Why are y'all doing that? You know, so mm -hmm. I didn't, I, that's why it was, um, I guess it's just different from growing up here, living here, because I grew up with it, so I don't know. <laughs> it's almost undercover too, because if you checked your um, your cell phone, if you have an Apple device, if you would have checked mm -hmm. it years ago, it says it has Juneteenth in it. Most mm -hmm. people just went. Oh, yeah, it's been recognized in a lot of places for sure. But, but it's it should be, and that's and that that's another thing where education needs to change. We need to make sure we are educating history, not white history. Yeah. History. Yes. I teach 27 dead white men. I think it was six women, three African-American males. And I think of those six women, I think maybe two of them were African-American. We teach white history in this country right now. We need to be teaching everybody's yeah. history because it is our history. Mm -hmm. One of uh, my favorite uh, units that I get to cover in ninth grade is we teach To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. and uh, we have like the entire half, like first half of the unit before we even actually get into reading the novel is all about setting up context and looking at the historical context and the location, the fact that that novel was set in South Alabama, uh, the time period that it's set in, the time period it was written in. Um, and then we talk about, you know, things that are, I always every year find things that are in the news, things that are happening today. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'll ask the kids a question like, do you believe that racism still exists? Do you think that this is still a problem that we face? And every year I'll have a handful of kids who are like, no, it's not a big deal. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this happened two days ago. So yeah. let's talk about that. Um, and it's it's really, um, it's it's enlightening to me. This, this is my seventh year, I'm walking into my seventh year teaching 
And every year that I teach this novel, I learn something new about um, about our past or about something that you know is happening uh, currently today. And I think that it's so uh, beneficial and worthwhile and necessary to be teaching to be teaching those things to kids. You know, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and that's so. and, you know, that's as a teacher, I kind of take that a little bit upon myself. I I go outside of the SOLs. I'll be straight up. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach history fair. I'm gonna tell you who did what, <clears throat> who they were, and what they did. And you don't get a lot of that. It doesn't happen because you have teachers who will specifically teach cookie cutter. But I do current events with my kids too. We talk about yeah. stuff. Like as, as all of this stuff is, has been going on, as COVID-19 was coming in, we were all talking about, we're talking about the elections. Yeah. They get extra credit if they do anything, you know, within the community. And that is how you build community because community starts mm -hmm. in schools because that's yes. where kids learn. They learn how to interact and how to deal with each other. And you can't, I mean, I, I'm not going to say you, you, you can't have, you, you're going to have diversity, diversity everywhere because it's just, it, it's not going to, going to, going to happen like that, but you can try and you can, you can make it accessible and you can yeah. teach diversity. Yeah. We can at least culture. bring diverse voices into our classrooms. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and that, that's how we go forward. We do it in the classroom. I'm a firm believer of that because once we get teachers into the government and we have teachers in the classroom, you'll see a shift. Yep. yep. I, I believe agree. it. But thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. It was a lot thank of fun. You, like you, I said, I you. love talking to teachers. <laughs> um, I, uh, Senate District 21, guys, get out and vote. Yep. That, like, yes. That's your biggest <laughs> weapon here. Get out and vote. Yes. Um, so you guys uh, can find me online. Uh, my website is www.amandaforflorida.com, all spelled out. And I'm also Amanda for Florida on all social media platforms as well. Awesome. Yep. We will be definitely tagging you. So you <laughs> yes. As well. No, I'm, I, hey, we got you. Teamwork. Love it. Love it. <laughs> all right, guys. We need you to keep on getting out, keep on volunteering, and keep on looking ahead to better days. Thank mm -hmm. you.